Praise God. Everybody glad to be here? Glad, glad, glad. <laughs> yes, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord, even on Sunday night. Amen. <laughs> well, I know you folks are glad to be here or you wouldn't have come. So we're glad that you are here. As pastor said, you know, we had been in the series on the Holy Spirit last Sunday was amazing praying for all those people. And how many of you, if you don't mind holding up your hand, how many of you were prayed for last Sunday or last Sunday night? Anybody here? Praise God. Keeping fired up. Glory to God. So we were talking in the last couple of Sunday nights, we'd been talking about uh, the benefits of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we nearly didn't have time to get into this. And I just had it so strong on the inside of me that we're going to talk about being baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Now, y'all got to say it like I grew up saying it. We're going to say far, far, far. Amen. <laughs> filled with the Holy Ghost and far, far, far. Hallelujah. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And I'm glad that y'all are here. Well, we know that John the Baptist was a forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a mighty man of God and he preached that the Messiah was coming and his ministry, he baptized people in water. But there was a day that he made a statement about what Jesus was going to do. And that's found over in Matthew chapter three, verse 11. And so we'll begin there tonight. This is John the Baptist speaking, and he says here in Matthew three eleven, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and, everybody say it, fire, 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 amen? So he, of course, was definitely a prophet of God. He was a mighty man of God. He had, and right after this, we'll see that he baptized Jesus right after this statement. But I love this, that even though he knew what his ministry was, he recognized by the Holy Spirit what was going to happen when Jesus came, when, I mean, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Spirit of God bore witness with his spirit that the time is coming when there is going to not just be a water baptism, but there is going to be a baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he is the first one that pointed out when he baptizes you, there will not only be speaking in tongues, but there's going to be the evidence of the fire of God showing up in your life. So tonight we want to talk about what happens when the fire of God comes on the scene? Let's look over at John chapter 7. Lay a little groundwork here. John chapter 7, verse 37. And we'll look at verse 37 and verse 38. And we're looking at these mostly scriptures in the New King James tonight. On the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirst... Let him come to me and drink. Is there anybody thirsty in the house tonight? 
Did you know that Jesus is still the one that satisfies the longing soul? He's still the one. If you are thirsty, come and drink. He is the living water. And don't you like that Jesus said here is any man is thirsty. Let him come and drink. He didn't say let him come and think. You know, you don't get the things of God by processing it, by thinking it, by trying to reason it out in your mind. He said, if you're thirsty, if it's something on the inside of you, if your spirit is hungry for more of me, then don't sit there and try to figure it out. Well, what's going on down here? I'm not satisfied. Something needs to change. Hey, you're hungry for God. You're thirsty for God. So don't come and think about it. Come and drink it of the living water. Amen. Then he goes on here and he says in verse 38, he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Jesus was speaking here and he was prophesying about what's going to happen when we get filled with the Holy Ghost. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, he says that there's going to be a fire that comes on the inside of you that's going to cause those rivers to boil out of you. Scripture over in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1 and 2. Let's look at this. Isaiah 64, 1 and 2. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake. At your presence, as fire burns the brushwood, as fire causes the water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries. Then he goes on and says that the nations may tremble at your presence, that the nations may tremble at your presence. There is a time when God visits nations. There's a time when God will visit individuals. Whosoever may call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's an open invitation. But when we invite him into our lives, we get a well of salvation, a well of living water. But the prophet Isaiah, he's looking down through the corridors of time. And he's seeing that day. He's seeing the day of Pentecost. He's seeing that time when God's going to pour out by his spirit, the Holy Ghost and fire. And it's going to go from being a well of salvation on the inside of us to being touched by the Holy Ghost and fire. And when you're touched, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, not only is it a still well on the inside of you, but that fire causes those rivers to boil, those rivers to bubble up and to flow out of you. Being filled with the Holy Ghost and fire certainly is a benefit for us, but it's beyond just a well where we drink out of and we get blessed ourselves. It's into a stage of it being a river boiling on the inside of us, flowing out of us with power, flowing out of us with virtue to minister to people around us. 
That's prop. The prophet was seeing that day. And he was also seeing that when this happens, when God shows up on the scene in the way he's going to do in these last days, that nations will be changed by the fire of God, by the power of God, by the demonstration of our father. Nations that will tremble at the presence of God that comes and rest upon them. We're standing in the gap. We're pleading our case that the United States of America is going to know a visitation of almighty God. That our nation is not going to tremble. It's not going to bow its knee to other gods. But our nation is going to bow its knee to almighty God, the founder, the creator of this United States of America. And for that to happen, the fire of God has got to burn on the inside of believers. It's got to burn on the inside of those that will offer their supply in the realm of the spirit and will contend for our nation. We'll humble ourselves. We'll cry out that God would have mercy on our nation, that God would show up and show up in our nation that our nation would tremble at his presence the glory of God resting so strong hallelujah we need the Holy Ghost and fire we need him in our individual lives But we need him to help us to pray out the plan and the purpose of God for the nations. Nations will tremble at his presence. Amen. The Bible says of our God over in Hebrews 12, 29, that our God is a consuming fire. God is merciful. He doesn't want to consume people. He doesn't want to consume nations. But there is a judgment side. And the point is this, that we have to pray that people will be changed by the presence and the fire of God. And they won't know judgment. And they won't know that side of God. But God is good. Amen. And he wants us to pray that his presence would be known the goodness of God. Amen. Now in our individual lives, the fire of God shows up and it gets rid of hindrances. Anybody ever had a hindrance? Anybody ever had something that you keep tripping up on over and over again? Well, the church for us, we're supposed to be on fire, not consumed by fire. But there is a point where the fire of God will consume things that are not of him on the inside of us. Fire, the fire of God consumes sin. You, we could ask, you know, if they were here tonight, we could ask James and John. And I don't mean my two sons. James and John were known as the sons of thunder. I'll never forget it. One of the first times that Brother Hagen came out and ministered in our church, Brother Kenneth Hagen Sr. And uh, we were, of course, introducing him to the boys. They weren't very old. And you know what's the saying? Boys will be boys. And we're in pastor's office and you want them to sit down and behave in their little suits and be nice little guys. 
not the case. You know what I mean? Boys picking at one another and all of that. And so he just kind of chuckled the way he did. And I'll never forget it. He looked over at him and goes, hmm, John and James, sons of thunder. And then he kind of chuckled and he said, and I bet some days a little lightning too. (laughs) Pretty evident, right? But anyway, beside the point, we're not talking about our sons when we say James and John. But there was an account one day. If you want to look at it, it's over in Luke chapter 9. And Jesus and his disciples were traveling alone. And they enter into this village in Samaria. And the people did not receive them. And so James and John, they had a solution. They said, well, we'll take care a business here. Let us call down fire from heaven and consume them just like Elisha did with the prophets of Baal. I mean, they were all getting, they, they had this revelation. Okay, Jesus, let us try. Let us play with this fire. Let us call it down from heaven and just consume them because they didn't feed us. They didn't welcome us into their village. And it's pretty interesting, Jesus' response. We'll look at that in verse 55 of Luke chapter 9. But he turned and he rebuked them and he said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then, I thought like this, they went to another village. What was Jesus saying here? Boys, you aren't born again. You're not a recreated being. And if that fire came down because you're not born again and your heart at this moment is not full of a good motive. If the fire came down, guess what? You're also going to be fried. You, along with all of these Samaritans, will be crispy critters. So just know that I'm not going to let you do that for your own good. And then, you know, it's like settled issue. No more questions asked. I'm sure they just kind of looked at one another. And it says, and they went to another village. It's like, I guess we better not try that. Not a good idea. But you know what? I like something else here that John the Baptist said about fire. That was just a silly little, not silly, but that was a side journey about James and John. Must have been thinking about my voice. Let's look over at Luke chapter 3. John quoted here, Luke quoted here what John the Baptist stated about the fire. John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, 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 fire. fire. That's what he wanted them to see here. And then look on down at verse 17. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing field and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Old Testament gives us a wonderful description of what this fan This winnowing fan is. Says this. That it's an instrument that was used like a pitchfork. Anybody ever seen a pitchfork? 
And what they would do with this, uh, the little, uh, whatever they're called, the spokes of it were closer together. They would throw this wheat up into the air and the chaff was a lot lighter than the wheat. So the wheat would fall to the ground and the chaff would kind of blow off in the wind. It's how they separated the wheat from the chaff. The chaff was not something they wanted to be mixed in with their weed. It would all grow together, but it was kind of like weeds. They needed to get rid of the chaff. And so what was John the Baptist saying here? He's saying the day is coming when the anointing or the fire of God is going to come on the scene and it's going to separate the chaff so our lives can be pure before God. That's what the fire of God will do. That's what even really Jesus was teaching James and John on that day. That, hey, the fire, when it shows up, is going to burn away the chaff. And because you're not born again, you got a lot of chaff in your life. But here, he's teaching us that even when we are born again, how many in here are born again? You love Jesus with all of your heart. How many of you are filled with the Holy Ghost and fire? Well, that's part of what the fire of God does. He comes and he helps us to get rid of impurities. I don't know what the impurities in your life might be. It could be depression. It could be sickness. It could be worry. Whatever chaff is. Chaff is literally this. It's excess baggage. Things that will weigh us down. Things that will keep us from running our race and and finishing our course. Over in Hebrews, I like how it defines this chaff. It's not necessarily a sin. As a matter of fact, let's look over there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 in the Amplified. This is good for us to know that the fire of God is there to help purify us. You want to be a holy, purified vessel of honor, meet for the master's use, ready to run your race. And to do all that he has called you to do. Any candidates in here tonight? Well, then we need to learn to yield and to respond to the dealings of the Holy Spirit. He's trying to help us. This morning was awesome. He's helping us to grow and to develop. He's helping us by the Holy Spirit to hear what he's saying to each one of our hearts. And and to get rid of hindrances and areas in our life that are weighing us down and holding us back. Here in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 out of the Amplified it says, Therefore then... Since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance. And then I love how it says this, unnecessary weight and that sin which so readily and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patience and endurance and steady and active persistence. The appointed course of the race that is set 
before us. Pastor started a new series this morning about being on the right path, leading us into the good life. That said, the appointed course. We are not robots. We have a will. We have emotions. We have a choice. But God has prepared a good life for us. He doesn't look down from heaven and play, I love you, I love you not. I love you, Pastor Nancy, so I'm going to give you an easy life. But Monica, there's something about you that ticks me off. You're going to have a hard path. No, he said every single one of us can live a good life. He has an appointed course for every single one of us. But you know, the devil doesn't want you to step in that pathway. He doesn't want you to walk in the light. But it isn't even the devil that trips us up so much. It's us, me, myself, and I. And one of the reasons that keeps us off of this appointed course, one of the things that keeps us off... It's found up here, cumbrances, unnecessary weight. And what does he say we're supposed to do with that? Unnecessary weight and sin. Did you know that things try to cling to us, which may not be, quote, sin. You're not going to find it in the Bible listed in Galatians chapter 5 as the works of the flesh and all all these horrible things things. No, but it could be a weight, an unnecessary weight that tries to just entangle us and cling to us. I'm not going to read your mail, but perhaps it's some hobby. Perhaps it's a habit that's not necessarily a sin, but it's all consuming. I tell you, all of us, if you're on Facebook or or on the social media, that can become a weight, an unnecessary weight. Because, oh, you wake up first thing in the morning. Ooh, what did so-and-so post on my wall last night? And it begins to maybe interfere. I mean, I've had to watch this. Used to, I'd wake up and the first thing I'd say is, good morning, Lord. You know, and then you get caught up in this and you're like, ooh, I got to see if anybody said good morning to me on Facebook. You know what? Things that try to cling to us. Unnecessary weight. And what does unnecessary weight do? Slows you down. Now we won't go there. Just a thought. But what does unnecessary weight do on our body? It slows us down. If you're 150 to 200 pounds heavier than you were 10 years ago, I guarantee you, you're not going to be running as fast. As you used to run in the natural. So he's saying here, if you want to walk, if you want to live the good life, if you want to get on that appointed course and the race, run the race that I've set before you, you might have to lay aside some things. There is a race to run and there is his will to be done. And we don't want to be tripped up or disqualified over something petty. Over something that doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Over something in light of eternity that consumed our time. Oh my, 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 my. We don't want that. We want to run our race. 
and finish our course. And you know, he's saying here, you lay aside some things. You strip it off. You get rid of it. But we we have a choice and a decision to make. But we don't have to do it in our own strength and in our own ability and in our own might. Thank God for the help of the Holy Ghost. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it is by His Spirit. It's in and through Him coming upon us. The fire of the Holy Ghost coming upon us. If you have to lay on your floor and cry out and say, God, this thing is trying to cling to me. This habit, this hobby, whatever it may be, is trying to cling to me. And I know that it's slowing me down. So, Lord, I'm going to lay here and I'm going to ask you by the help of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask you by the fire of God to come on me right now and burn that thing out. What did we just read over there in Luke? He said, the Holy Ghost and fire, it burns away the chaff and it keeps The wheat, pure, pure. God's looking for some pure vessels. He's looking for some lasting fruit in our lives. Amen. Can I get an amen? What else could be something that tries to slow us down? It's not necessarily a sin. What about sickness and disease? Sickness and disease trying to entangle us and and snare us and, and cling to us. That will slow you down in your race, in your life, in what God has called us to do. So the same is true. We ought to want to get rid of sickness and disease. Jesus bore it for us. We don't have to be sick. We don't have to have infirmity and weakness in our body. We can be infused with strength. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is what? It is our strength. We can say with the apostle Paul, I'm going to run my race. I'm going to finish my course and I'm going to finish it with what? With joy. And he said, you know, there's all sorts of things that try to hinder me. I don't think any of us have had the persecutions and the obstacles that the apostle Paul had. I mean, he had a lot of stuff coming against him, literal stuff. They were stoning him. They were beating him. They left him shipwrecked on an island, horrible things. But yet he said, I'm going to lay aside these weights. I'm going to cast them off and I'm going to finish my course with joy. So don't be hindered. I just hear that in my spirit. Don't be hindered by the attacks of the enemy. If you've been knocked down, get up. Rise up and run the race that he has called you to run. We can get up in the power of God, in the strength of his ability. That fire of God will help get rid of those things that are weighing you down. The fire of God will not just get rid of hindrances and things that try to weigh us down. Did you know that the Holy Ghost in fire will literally change you into another person? Woo, that's another characteristic of fire. Change you into another person. 
Case and point. We'll look over at Acts chapter 2, that great outpouring on the day of Pentecost. And it says there in verse 3 that the Holy Ghost came on them and he literally, tongues of fire sat up on them. Acts chapter 2 verse 3. Let's look over there. We're not in a big hurry tonight. You got anywhere to go? No. We came to get the word, didn't we? We came, hallelujah, because we are hungry for God and for what he's doing in this day. Thank you, Lord. Acts chapter 2. Now I got it there. And let's just look here. We've been reading this a lot, but it, it, uh, it deserves to be read a lot. Verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. This is what I want you to see. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of what? Like as of what? And what did it do? It sat up on each of them. There it is. John the Baptist talked about it. Jesus spoke about it. Holy Ghost and fire. And on the day of Pentecost, the initial outpouring, here it was. Tongues of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And I want you to know, it wasn't like a little bitty candlelight above their head. A little bitty flick of the bick. You know, I grew up in a good Pentecostal church. And in our Sunday school classroom, we had a picture of the 120 in the upper room. And they had a little flame above their head. Well, that was a good reminder, but that is not how it happened. Cloven tongues of fire sat upon them. The Lord gave me this illustration many, many years ago, and it bears repeating right now. The Holy Ghost sat up on them. And when somebody sets on you, you know it. You know I'm here. All hundred and plus and plus and plus pounds is here. Satin upon you. The Holy Ghost sat down up on them to such a degree that from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, they were infused with the fire of God, cloven tongues from all over their being. It sat upon them, all right? It started here and it went down through their being and it went into their feet and they got up and they started dancing and they started shouting because when the fire of God comes on you, it changes you. When the fire of God comes on you, something's got to give. When you begin to burn from the inside here and it burns and that river begins to boil. It starts right here. It comes out. It might have some It's going to affect your tongue. It's going to touch your vocal cords. It's going to get in your hands. It's going to get in your feet. them and it consumed them to the degree that they got so full of the Holy Ghost and fire they stumbled on out into the streets and I love it they they were accused of being drunk but this is my point the Holy Ghost and fire changes you into another person Think about who was there. 
who was among the 120. Peter, the man who just a few days before had denied the Lord. A little girl said, oh, you're one of his disciples before the crucifixion. Oh, no, I never knew them, never knew him. But I love this. When Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to the disciples, he said, bring Peter. Get Peter and bring him to Jerusalem. Bring him to the upper room. He didn't want Peter to wallow in that self-pity and to live in regret and to live with the fact that I denied the Lord and I was such a coward. Jesus knew when he got filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, he was going to be changed into another man. He was going to go from a denier and a coward to a preacher and a prophesier. Woo! And it happened. Verse 14 of Acts chapter 2. It happened to him just like Jesus knew it would happen to him. And Jesus knows what potentially can happen in your life when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, And all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He knew exactly what had happened. The Holy Ghost and fire had fallen on them. And I love this. I was reading this one time and it's just jumped off of the pages. Peter standing up. He stood up and he rose up on the outside because he was standing up on the inside. Woo! You know he'd been laying down on the inside. You know he'd been tempted to be depressed. You know he was feeling insecure and he was feeling all bad about denying the Lord. But the first thing that is recorded once he got filled with the Holy Ghost is he stood up. He stood up on the outside and began to preach because the fire of God had caused him to stand up on the inside. It had burned away the insecurities. It had burned away the low self-esteem. It had burned away depression and whatever else he was dealing with. He didn't stand up that day with that self, low self-image. He didn't stand up that day and say, well... You know, I'm Peter. I denied the Lord. Don't know why I did it. Feel really bad about it. No, when the Holy Ghost and fire came upon him, his past was not an issue. His past was consumed and it was gone. He wasn't looking back to while he had denied the Lord. He was looking forward and you know what he was doing? He was stepping into his place. He was getting on his path. He was fixing to run his race. The fire of God had ignited him to be what he was supposed to be. 
And the fire of God will do the same thing in our lives. It will ignite us to do all that God has called us to do. One encounter with the Holy Ghost. And it did not just affect Peter. Oh, I love this. Look at verse 41. He stood there and he preached the gospel. And you know that the anointing of God had to be strong upon him for thousands of people to stand and to listen to what he was saying. It was the anointing and it was breaking the yoke off of their lives. Verse 41 in the Amplified, it says, Therefore, those who accepted and welcomed his message were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I think that's pretty good for his first sermon. I think that's a pretty good result. A lot of converts for his first time standing up. He hadn't even preached to a 12-year-old girl before. And after one encounter with the Holy Ghost and fire, he stood up in boldness, bold as a lion, not looking back, but knowing who he was in Christ, knowing all that junk had been burned out of him and he was not the same man that he had been 24 hours earlier. He was brand new on the end inside. Hallelujah. Woo. He was probably feeling like the prophet of old that said, it's just like fire. Shut up in my bones and I cannot keep it to myself. That's what I'm believing of this church. That's what we're believing for the body of Christ. That the day and the hour is now for us to be filled with his Holy Ghost power. And not just people in the pulpit, but believers in the pew. The Bible says over in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7 that he makes his ministers flames of fire. And a minister is whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. You are a minister of the gospel. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And when we are on fire with that Holy Ghost power, then we have the boldness to witness for Jesus. We have the boldness to tell people that God is good. And when you get full like Peter got full of the Holy Ghost and fire, then you don't cringe back in fear like he did a few days prior. You're not afraid if somebody comes across your path. And you know what? People are hungry. And people are just ripe and ready to be picked for the kingdom of God. It's amazing how God sets things up. He'll have people ask you a question. What if somebody says to you, man, you are always so sweet. You're always so happy. Do you think maybe, just maybe, that's an open door? If you're all cringed up in fear and all just thinking about yourself, you might be thinking, hmm, did I put on a little extra blush today? Is it that new lipstick I'm wearing? No. When you're out of yourself 
and you're looking at the big purpose, and I know you do, you're immediately going to say, oh, that's just Jesus. It's Jesus shining bright in me. That's a witness. Doesn't mean you have to get up here and preach a message and have 12 points and a poem. Live your life on fire. Live your life aglow. Be like it says in Romans. Be aglow and burning, burning, burning with the Spirit. We're not going to keep going on tonight because I think we'll make this part two. But you know what else fire does? When you're burning with the Spirit. Just like that day, those people were drawn to what Peter had to say because of the fire of God that was on him. Fire draws people. They're drawn to a fire. Just think about it. You hear a fire truck, your tendency is to turn around and follow it to see where the fire is. Why do we do that? Because we like to watch things burn. It's terrible, really. But this is a good thing. People want to watch us burn. They want to see the church alive, aglow, burning with the Spirit, full of passion, serving the Lord with zeal and fervency. It isn't just about us, we're the vessel. Get on fire for the cause of Christ. Amen. He has made his minister flames, flames of fire. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word.